Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and I nearly forgot the name of the show. I must be getting old. With me as always is my good friend, um, what's, uh, oh Sarah, hey, that's right. You would not think that we've only done this for five years. <laughs> I can't believe we've been doing this I know. for nearly five years. I know. I'm. I too am amazed that we've lasted this long. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Sarah, and with me, as always, is my good friend Dan. Hey. Oh. <laughs> oh what a cycling is great. <laughs> it, honestly, this year, I mean, I I don't know. I kind of feel like I, maybe it's just a sign of our, our the length of time we have been doing this. But I kind of feel like we must always say this. But this year is so good. Oh, so good! I think having three weekends in a row with three live streams. Now, dear listener, this stops this weekend, okay? Um, or does we? No, it does. It definitely, no, it definitely does. Um, we don't have live streaming for Hent with Elgem this weekend. Web Elgem this weekend. So uh, we need to we need to just accept that. But I'm going to talk a little bit later about what we can do about that because I have a theory. Oh, a theory, a well-crafted theory, calculated carefully after reviewing all of the research. Yes, <laughs> you know me. That's that's how all my theories are done. <laughs> It's actually, you know, the funny thing, dear listener, is that that's actually literally true. Sarah, Sarah is the one who researches thoroughly. I'm the one who does wild speculation. So yes, but it works. So this weekend we had the Trofeo Alfredo Binda, and we had the Trofeo da Moreno, which is the first round of the Junior Nation Cup for women. We've got the Cape Epic. We've got all sorts of things to talk about. But oh, I, it's I kind of feel bad for Dan because Dan couldn't watch the Trofeo Alfredo Binder live stream because it was on at, I don't know, three in the morning or something. Yeah, Australian well, I think, I'm pretty sure the the stream, like the actual stream started at midnight our time, which if the race was going to finish like one thirty, I probably would have gone with anyway and just sort of battled through. But when the race is scheduled to finish at like 3am and I do actually have to be at work on Mondays. I, I no, keep no, asking, I mean, but they make me. They make me come in. They say oh, if I stop coming, they'll stop paying me, which I feel is really unfair. But th- that's their rule. So I feel that's unfair too. But the stream was a really extraordinary experience. Now, Dan and I have been talking about races that have uh, started their own coverage, and specifically we talk about Bogorda, where they started off with a ticker, and then they had a Swedish commentator commentating mm. over the ticker with little dots showing you where the race was. Then they had fixed finish line cameras, and then they had more finish line cameras, and then it got shown on TV. Yes. Now, that is a model that we love. Indeed. And, I mean, obviously we prefer the model that goes, hey, would you like all of your races on TV now? <laughs> I mean, that's an ideal model, absolutely. But if you can't achieve that, right, you know, right from the get go, and we're not unreasonable people, we we recognise that not everyone can achieve that right from the get go. This is this is an acceptable model to us. If you are planning a race and would like advice on how best to get us coverage, feel free to ask Sarah and I. We're more than happy to tell you how to do your job. Oh, we've got theories. <laughs> we'll we'll explain you all day long. Um, <laughs> That's, oh, shit. that's the title of this episode. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not having anything called race explaining. Oh, my God. Um, so, basically, this is what the Trofeo Alfredo Binder's game. Now, this race is the same age I am. 
and so it's been going on it's been going on for over 40 years and it's uh it's it's fantastic it's it's longest running race in the uci women's world tour i haven't checked but i would suspect it's possibly the longest running race women's race because it's it's epic and um i so what they did this year they they started in the in previous years they had an excellent ticker they were one of the races that really embraced twitter and social media last year they added finish line videos they had commentators talking about the race and, and updating from twitter and from you know uh, and they had finish line videos at the end of each lap yeah yep this year they had a stream <laughs> well and uh, and the stream wasn't very good and there's two ways you can look at this. You go glass half empty, which is this is a really shitty stream and I can't tell the numbers and they keep flicking between the juniors, the highlights of the juniors and the elites and other things and they keep there's no cameras, one of the cameras is obviously not working. Oh god, this is so complicated. Or you can go <laughs> so it's glass half empty, or you can go glass half full, which is we've never seen this much of this race before. And Rye are going to put out really good highlights later today. And we can follow the action on Twitter at the same time. And it's quite wacky doing it together. Um, <laughs> Caroline Swordpanda said, it's just like being actually at a real race in that in the action happens intermittently and it's chaotic. and You don't really know what's going on, but you're having a really good time. And then it finishes and it's so exciting. <laughs> And then you you all share what little bit you know to each other roadside and, and pass yeah. on, you know, you get these little ripples of, of information that fly across and, and stuff. I, I can understand that analogy. Um, look, I, I have to be honest. I mean, even though the, the race, as you say, has been around for quite a while, given that it's the, the first time that they've tried to, to show it live, um, I'm willing to, you know, to, to offer a certain amount of understanding. Yeah. And they are very, very, very low budget. Yes. This is the thing: is that the Drenta stream um, last weekend wasn't as good as um, uh, wasn't as good, you know, wasn't wasn't the perfect stream. But when you look at what Drenta and Trofeo Binder are doing on their very low budgets, and you compare it to Flanders Classics, one of the richest organisations in the world, what they gave us for Omnipet Noisblad mm. today is the Dwarves Door Vlanderen on an amazing parkour. What they're giving us for Hent Wedelgem on at the weekend. You yeah, know, yeah. It's, it, it, there's no comparison because these races are blowing the big organizations out of the water. Yep. And, and, and also, look, that's, that's actually a really good point too. And that's one of the reasons I'll always be thankful for it. And it's part of why we were right from the early days, such fans of, of races like Vagorda too, because they demonstrate that, that, you know, 90% of achieving this is willingness to do it. You know, yeah. I, even, even back in, um, you know, four years ago now i think it was when the philly classic was on with jim the cameraman which you know annoyed yeah. you and i found wonderful for all sorts of reasons that had nothing to do with the race um you know the thing is that the baseline though you're still grateful to the the honest attempt to show you something i'll always take that over nothing you know yeah yeah and it's it's yeah and it's i mean they had a the commentary was done by two people, a man and a woman, and the woman would speak, to, you know, do it in English. And yep. her English wasn't the best in the world. But she was trying, and the funniest thing was the guy would say it in Italian, they go, say it in English. And she'd go, I don't know how. And he go, no, just say it in English. He wasn't <laughs> trying it in English. And at one point, it just got really surreal. Um, Ex-pro cyclist Mick Rogers yep. 
was there randomly. So they got him randomly into the commentary booth. Hey, Mick Rogers, you're here. You're an expo <laughs> cyclist. What do you think? He's lived in Italy for many years. He was talking in Italian. And then this poor Italian guy was translating his words into English. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I would argue that perhaps all Australians should be translated into English. <laughs> well, you, you can argue that, and you can argue that in the best possible faith, but given that you literally come from the country with more English accents than anywhere else in the world, or actually more than everywhere else in the world combined, I don't know that you can argue it convincingly. But, yeah. So, yeah, at one point in the stream, it was... It was flashing between highlights of the junior women and the elite women. Now, I can spot this because I, um, I mean, you know, because I'm, I'm pretty literate at race jerseys, but even I was finding it hard to work out where it was. I mean, it was really confusing <laughs> and it was awesome. But what they promised us from the start is they promised us three the start, three uh, line crossings, and then the part last 60 kilometers live. But they gave us tons more than that. And that's also a really good way to do it. So you're sitting yeah. there going, yeah, this is a bit shit, but fuck it. I didn't think I was going to get even this. So I'm, I'm happy with this. And then they got the junior riders to come and sit in the booth and talk after their races. And you know, someone, someone said, yeah, it's in all the, you know, sometimes they were talking in five languages often <laughs> in the same sentence. Yeah, but I mean, hey, that's also part of the fun of, of cycling, isn't it? You know, like like you often joke, you know, by the end of cyclocross season, you like to kid yourself that you can speak Dutch, you know, and yeah. or Flemish. And, and you know, it, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, we all enjoy and have our guilty pleasures. I mean, there are plenty of us who choose uh, non-English speaking streams to listen to because we like the sound of the race in, in its host language or, or whatever. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I take your point that there's all sorts of things that can be done to, to grow the coverage and improve the, the coverage overall, but it sounds like it was incredibly entertaining anyway. And and that's uh, that's mm. before we get to the racing, which was insanely entertaining. Yes. yes. Now, the other thing is, is that the reason I'm happy with this is because uh, Ride Sport put out a 45-minute um, highlights. So the the front motorbike stops working in the official coverage <laughs> in the last for the last ten kilometres. I mean, <laughs> which was a little bit key. Um, but then it's fine because you then watch the forty five minute worth of ride coverage where they basically put you know the start, the finish, and then have about twenty minutes. So, you know, the last twenty minutes of the race shown you know shown shown continually, and it's saying where's the front of the race, where's the back of the race, and you know it's so it's. It also has that thing where there's an argument which I actually buy into, which is it is better the better way to, it's better to get not to have live coverage, but to have really good quality highlights to attract new fans. Because, you know, so if we want to grow the sport, yep. the first thing to focus on is good quality highlights. Oh, I I a hundred percent agree with that. I I think that's utterly true and and i base that explicitly on my own experience of when i've got friends who have expressed an interest um who you know aren't already cycling fans have expressed an interest because you know we're talking about the podcast or whatever being able to send them something like you know even the the really cut down like 10 minutes of strata bianchi from a couple of weeks ago i sent to a friend um because because it just shows the the race in such a nice neat capsule when it's good quality highlights you get a sense of you know what happened during the course of the race you see the build up you see the tension you see the finish yay 
you know, it's a great way to introduce people who aren't already familiar with the sport. But then, yeah, of course, for me, I, you know, I want the longer highlights and the and the full stream. Like, of course, you know, established fans, we do. But you, I, I couldn't agree more. You, you want nice quality highlight packages to be able to draw new people to the sport. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> Binder. Binder. It starts off with it starts off with a Trofeo da Moreno, which is the first round of the Junior Nations Cup. Now. The Junior Nations, Nations Cup basically came about because races like Binder and um, Energy Walk, now Healthy Aging Tour, and Borsalay were running really good junior races on the same time, same roads as the elite women. And Binder, the course, is in the elites. They start out with a run-in from this year, Tayano to Chitiglio. Then they do a large loop. Then they do four laps of a smaller loop. Yeah? Yep. In the juniors, they do the same run-in from Taino to Chateaglio. They do a, 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 a different first loop, and then they do, I think it's two laps of yep. the last, of the, of the same women's course. So they're literally on the same roads mm. as the elite women on the day before the elite women. And uh, Amelie Didrikson won it in her first year as a junior and then went on to become junior road world champion twice and then elite road cha- world champion. You know, this is... It's serious riders win this. It's yeah. really exciting. And they rode really, really beautifully. Um, uh, Noemi Abgral Ab- Ab- from France and Georgia Baliani from Wheeler Braganza were out as a, as a pair racing together. They got about 45 seconds. They were caught in the last five minutes. And although lots of different riders attacked, especially the French riders who were super, super, super competitive, it was run by Lorena Vida's of the Netherlands national team with Clara Coponi of France, who was last year's winner and um, second, and Martina Ferdanza, uh, ju- young sister of, uh, of Ariana Ferdanza of Eurotarget, still bike in third. Wow. Uh, Let- Letizia Paternoster, another Italian from Vecchia Fontana in fourth, Jess Roberts from GB, Great Britain in, in, in fifth. And it's, it was a really, it's an amazing race. It's giving junior women the chance to race you know they, this is one of the races that's going to be a key target for a lot of these riders in the future you know yeah, that you yeah. can dream of winning it well, and you and get to ride on the same roads exactly like you get experience with it like actual racing experience with it before you hit the elite ranks you know it's that's awesome and then being yeah. able to to not just that but as you've said in previous years you know you get that bit of opportunity to rub shoulders with the the elite riders as well and and you know learn from watch what they do in in you know on the same roads in similar situations to to what you were in yeah. and if you if you're Lorena readers and you see Mariana Voss favoriting a tweet about you winning because you've been <laughs> added in it that's a huge thing you know yep. that is a huge thing and 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 because and the race is so good about it so by 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 threading in the junior highlights with the elite when the elite women weren't doing much it meant that we and, and talking about them it raised their profile um it's, it's, there's a really gorgeous photo on the race website where you've got like Lorena Weaver's arms in the air clou- uh, rider just behind her and in the back kind of gone out of focus because of the depth of the field there's this little orange dutch rider turning to her Dutch teammate with like one arm, pump, you know, doing that kind of little air punch thing of pulling, you know, pulling down the air, go, yes, she won, <laughs> <laughs> which is just adorable. So, yeah. So um, the junior nation cup this year is, is, is put into, it's only in March and April. So for example, 
and there's three, you know, three races in quick succession. Uh, Binder, um, which we'll come to later on Sunday, and then in two weeks' time, the Healthy Aging Tour, yep. and then at the end of April, uh, Omnip van Borsele. Uh, may, might be in May, but but what this means is that if you're, for example, Americans, you can come across for a you know two three week block of racing. Exactly, you get a solid block of of um, racing. You know, and particularly uh, if you're the right kind of rider for those conditions, it can be a great little yeah. Or, or, or you'd never ridden these conditions before in your entire life because you're a 16 year old American girl. You know, like you, how could you have ridden these roads before? Mm, mm. You know, you're a first year junior, and this is your first chance to do it. And yeah, and and it's and these are riders who are going to be one of these. You know, one of these riders is going to be winning something incredible in the future. You know, these are going to some of these riders are going to be household names. We don't know which one it is. You know, some of the, sometimes you have a really good junior rider who who just fades or does nothing or decides yeah. to do something else with their life. But you know. And you know Letizia Paternoster and is uh, is one of the riders who was one of those amazing the amazing uh, Italian team at the uh, Junior Road World Championships this year who just was spectacular mm-hmm. and so you know there's there's Clara Coponi is a second year junior and she won here last year and was a super you know super super strong so seeing how you you know being able to rub shoulders with your competition yep. It's super important. I mean, there's so many reasons that it's it's great. Um, not least of which is is simply that it's another um, addition to the the racing of the event that um, that makes it you know bigger and and even more to enjoy and celebrate. Like I I always look forward to Bindu and Moreno weekend. Mm. Yeah. So then we had Binder. And well, unlike and for, correct me or forgive me if I'm wrong, but I, I always sort of mentally have this association, and I I know exactly where it comes from. But I always think of Binder as a rainy race, and it's it's literally because of the year that Elisa Longo Borghini won it in the rain, like because it was like, no. that was that was not seeing things rain. No, I I always think of it as a rainy race because of one of the times Emma Pooley won it in absolutely completely torrential conditions. And basically, we're having an unseasonably warm Springs Classic season. Weird. Almost as if the climate of the world has somehow changed or something. (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, we're having, so yeah, so it's an unseasonably warm spring and that's played into the races so far because, you know, Glenta is normally in howling gales and usually weather as well. So, Mm, mm. um, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's interesting, I think, because I mean, it's changing. Well, in my view, it's changing the scripts a little bit in terms of how they're playing out. Yeah, no, yeah, and and this and this changed here. This is um, th- th- this is one of the, this 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 race was very much not having the terrible rain, not having freezing cold. You know, you're looking at pictures and you're going, shit, they're in they're in they're in short sleeves. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, this isn't just this isn't just um, oh, they're they're you know because the spring classic, you're usually full on, you know, arm warmers, leg warmers, yeah. uh, raincoats, uh, gilets. Uh, yeah, yeah. But there they are, right along with not just with short sleeves, but with jerseys unzipped a bit. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it, it was it was almost like you know, not quite peak summer, but early summer kind of racing. Like, yeah, it's... it looked it looked you know really it looked really nice. <laughs> yeah, and that's not what spring classics are supposed to be about. Well, you know, I mean, there's a there's a healthy balance somewhere, I think, you know, that 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 lands in the not quite frozen eyeball level, but <laughs> but not quite holiday by the seaside level either. You know, like there's somewhere in between where there's there's a chance for you know putting them in the gutter and and violent crosswinds and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. So we started out very early on. Um... Amateur VC of Ali Cipollini went out solo. She was joined by Silvia Salcecchi of B Pink, Simona Frapporti. They were a small gap, but you know they weren't going to be escaping very much. And then they had Anazita Maria Strica and went out of BTC Sicilia Biana uh, with with Lia Laizane from Rome, Italia. They get a small advantage. And then it's just Stricker by herself at the end of the first lap. She's got about 20 seconds. And they hit into the lap for the, the second lap of four. These are about 18-kilometer laps, yeah? Yep, yep. And that was and, roughly when um, – it was that one when Jess Allen did the repeated her trick from last week and went for a bit of a flyer, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Now, the laps basically in the current setup of the – of of Trofeo Binder, while you absolutely can can win escaping on the big loop as Emma Pooley did, it generally comes back down to short lap. They start with a little climb and a little scent, and then they have the Orino climb, which is um, you know a, a longer kind of draggy climb yeah. with a really really vicious descent at the other side of it. So you have your descending skills are just as important as your climbing skills, and then it's just a couple of kilometres run into the finish, and the finish is a false flat, slightly uphill sprint. So it's it's you know it's a bit yeah. of a bitch basically. So yeah, so so the, the question is, and it's attritional. So when you're looking at these things, we go, oh, nothing was really happening. All the same at the front. What that means is people are shedding and shedding and shedding and shedding and shedding and shedding off the back, right? Yep. So it's about you've got to you've got to stay up, stay stay together. And but where people go is is different every year, and that's one of the reasons this race is lovely is it's unpredictable. So it was quite surprising that Stricker was still alone on the second, um, uh, uh, oh, oh, sorry, on the first on the on the on the first yeah, on, on the, the first, first lap, yeah. With sorry, and then sorry on the second on, on that on there caught and then as you say in lap two jess allen orica scott made an attack attempt yep and i think she got out to roughly around 30 seconds again um but you know was was left out there on her own for quite a while as well and i mean i know that's partly a defensive maneuver because you know it stops other people from trying to attack and stuff but it is also kind of a little bit odd um, and it was interesting because it, by no means did it actually reduce the amount of attacking overall that we saw in the rest of the race anyway. No, it was like, it was like so basically, Orica Scott did what they did last year where they put out Jess Allen with the idea that people will go, ah, oh, shit, we better chase her down, blah, mm. blah, blah. Annemiek van Vleuten, Katrin Garfoot are there behind, um, you know, could take the win. But the rest of the person just went by it and they're like, oh, it's Jess Allen, okay. Yeah. You know. Oh, and we've got her later. And 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 the thing is, it's going to be really like I can see that being played over and over and over and over again, and then one day it'll work. 
<laughs> no, no, exactly. And, and and this is the kind of race where it could happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, when Emma Pooney first won her first World Cup, I think, in um in in Canada, Pooney didn't did, no one just she just attacked at a stupid suicide attack point yep. earlier on the break and everyone just laughed, What the fuck are you doing? And off she went. Yep. And won it on Solemn in the in the Tour de Montreal. And when she won her when she won the uh, the, my, the classic for me Pooley moments in, in here where she attacked kept attacking, kept attacking, kept attacking early on in the large loop and people are like, Oh fuck it, let's just let her go now. And oops um yeah. disaster. Uh, so so yeah, so it will happen. But what was interesting was what caused the race to speed up was behind on lap two. Elisa Longo Borghini started hitting it. Yeah. And Sabrina Stultian started hitting it. And you can't let Elisa Elisa's won before by being out for about two laps by herself yes. um on this course. Attacking in the wrong place. So you end up with like um you end up with like all this stuff happening during during you know, during during lap three that's behind uh, with with Jess Allen still outside out the front but this stuff that happens behind speeds up the race and then Allen gets caught indeed and um that's when you know as you say the tempo's lifted and so well I mean it's kind of the the obvious thing what you do is launch an attack well Tiffany Cromwell attacking in the penultimate in the in the the penultimate lap speaking of Um, riders who who do enjoy a good long solo breakaway so yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you have the last laps that then you kind of start off going. And then Georgia Williams from Oracle Scott, another Australian attacking. Yep. Um, and it's like, and every time, every time they're caught, every time these attacks are happening, the peloton shrunk. And then in the penultimate lap, um, towards the end of the penultimate lap, there's this thing on the Twitter, Ellen Van Dyke is on the front of the peloton, keeping the pace high to try and stop attacks. And, well, that's when you know that the attacking has, even by the standards of elite women's cycling, got a little bit intense. And you're like, hang on a minute, this is fascinating, because the rider I'd think of of the Sunweb team, who'd be best at this race, is Lucinda Brand. But Lucinda Brand's not here. I mean, she had a very long cyclocross season. I would suspect that Lucinda Brand is is pausing to to aim at Flanders. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. I mean, she's had but a Ellen... hefty schedule for the start of the season, and you can totally see her taking a break for, for Flanders now, yeah. But Ellen van Dijk's been on the podium of Binder before, and they've got Leah Kirkman, who's had an amazing classic season last year, and Corin Rivera, who's a super sprinter, and you're like, yep. shit, maybe they're going for a sprint. Like, that's interesting, because... Although um, although big bunches have finished been there before, it tends to be a big bunch finishing behind a solo rider. Yeah, so you might have one rider solo and then twenty five, thirty riders finishing in a bunch behind her. So um, obviously this race has been going for forty years. It's been literally won in every possible fork combination, especially if the course has changed. Yeah? yeah, but in recent years it's not been won from a bunch sprint. It's been won from a small, you know, a, sm- a, a, a group is probably the most average thing, or solo or two. Yeah. So okay, that's interesting. And then we hit the last last lap, and everything just goes bonkers. I like, mean, you, you think we've had a lot of attacks? Yeah, exactly. You think we've had a lot of attacks before this? I mean, it just goes insane at this point. I mean, early off we get four riders break three, uh, and, and it's probably you know one of the most 
fascinating combinations of riders that you could expect in this race at this point in the race with Alina Amialuzic for Canyon Sram, Kat Garfoot out for Oricus again, Shara Gillow, who surprised us all um, last week, um, you know, and, and is clearly in great form at the moment, and Voss. Yes. Holy shit. So, obviously, though, with, with a group like that, the Peloton, or what remains of it, is all over it and realises they can't let that get oh, any shit. real Oh, shit, Voss has won this race a couple of times, yeah. you know. She's she's just, like, it's it's in, it's insane. So they, 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 they pull it back. They're fighting. Garfoot attacks again. Yeah. Um, more groups attack. There's chase groups. There's more attack groups. There's 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 everything there's and then you have you end up with like Garfoot going out solo with a chase group with Corin Rivera Alina Amulusic again Cassie yep. Adoma, yep. Annemiek van Vleuten from Orica Scott Hannah Nielsen from BTC City Ghana Alina Sia Canyadia from Astana and Elisa Longo-Borghini yep. like fuck that's the winning break that's the winning break surely but no that <laughs> hasn't got a Bulls Dortmund's rider in it um, so, that, so guess who jumps on the front and shuts it down <laughs> <laughs> and, and pulls it together with um, what was it like three k from the finish? I mean, at this point, I had no idea what was going on. It's just I'm just screaming because we're in the last ten k, and you've got this group going out. Um, and then Elisa attacks. Like my my uh, my my notes just at this point. Elisa exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark. And then thirty riders at two k to go. Yeah, like, yeah. And this is and at this point the live stream. The, the front motorbike's broken. The back now uh, they can't. They always have a problem with the live stream because there's a part of the la- around the back of the lap where they don't get most signal. They can't go down the Orino descent with the riders because it's just too dangerous yeah, to have a motorbike yeah. near them on that dangerous descent. And then you just and then the front motorbike goes and you're like, well, actually, I'd rather not see this and know the riders are safe than have that motorbike try and push through them. But you're sitting here, thirty riders coming towards the sprints together yeah, yeah. and when you're watching it on the live stream and it's amazing you should watch it in the in the highlights but when you watch it on the live stream all you can see is them suddenly the this big huge group coming around the corner together with a sunweb rider on the front a big tall sunweb rider on the front it's ellen van dyke the queen of leading out yeah just bombing down Behind her, who's she leading out? It's hard to see because Corin Rivera is absolutely tiny. Yep. Pops out behind and just extraordinarily good sprinting up this slightly uphill finish. Guns it and and yeah, it's a like it's a long longish drag in terms of sprinting. You know, it's not hugely steep, but it's enough that you feel it. And for her to have have kicked into her sprint that early and then hold it that long was amazing. Oh, it was just beautiful. And Corin Rivera, famously, I've said this before, she won 50 t- titles as a junior. But, you know, that's not necessarily something to to say, you know, that, that could, you know, mm-hmm. it's great. It's really impressive. She started very young. And there wasn't much of a depth of field around her at the time and yeah. she was expected to be this amazing you know she's been she's been studying part-time and staying in the states but then lots and lots of riders study part-time you know yep. um americans aren't the only country who have the problem of do i go to europe and learn my trade or do i stay at home race race domestically and uh and finish my studies you know yeah, i mean yeah. you're an australian <laughs> <laughs> we're close to everything 
<laughs> yeah. So, you know, so Corin Rivera, she's moved to, for the first time, her a, a European team to have a full European season. This is the first time she's raced a full classic season. And my God, it's paid off. Yeah, it's paid and... off. It's paid off in spectacular fashion. Um, you know, it was a really, really strong win. I really loved her comments too, thanking, I mean, obviously thanking her team, but also especially, you know, she noted Ellen's contribution um, in personally saying, you know, that she came back over to me at the last climb and stayed with me through to the end. She was instrumental in the finale, you know. Um, yeah. Jens, Jens described Ellen last week, Ellen Van Dyke last week, as the queen maker. Mm. And I think, and I think it's, 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 it's not that Sunweb have dominated the season, but this is their second win after Lucinda Bland won Omelette Noiseblad. Yep. And they are, but they have been, but they and Wiggle the have been, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. They've just positioned themselves racing. well and they've, they've tackled races aggressively. You know, they've not been shy about backing themselves as a team and making it very clear what their ambitions are and going for it. So, Yeah. yeah. Mm, that was a great finish. Great finish. Yeah, I mean, so first, Corin Rivera. Second, Elena Sierra Canadilla from Cuba, riding for Astana. Third, Cecilie uh, Utrup Ludwig from uh, the Danish rider from Cibelo Bigler. They finished um, together uh, with a two-second gap before a group of about twenty, about twenty-two, something like that. Um, yeah, with. It's just with another big with another group coming in with Mariana Voss actually leading another group coming in forty six seconds back, um, and then another big group at you know one minute, two minute, eight minutes, nine minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but again, only eighty nine riders finished. Yep. So, and this is this is what the spring classics are about. They are about attrition. Oh, absolutely. There are whole teams which didn't finish. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it, I mean, that's also a reflection of the the nature of the the um mix of of women's teams um but it's also exactly as you say you know it's a key element of the spring classics in the way that they're raced they are raced incredibly aggressively and with a clear path to to shed as many riders as possible from the start line to the finish yeah um do you want to hear peter van der veen's stat about the always the podium always peter van der veen's stat the average age of the um, oh, podium, sure I hear this anymore. <laughs> Twenty-three. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, okay, I can, I can kind of live with that a little bit. Um, the average age of the world tour podium winners, world tour winners after three races, twenty-three. <laughs> now, now that I've had enough time and I'm mentally thinking about what I had done with my life by the time I was twenty-three. <laughs> I'm really fucking depressed. <laughs> yeah. Now let's just re- so that's the third race in the world tour. The first one was won by Wiggle, <coughs> Elisa Longo Borghini. The second one was run by won by Amelie Dijkson of Bols Dolmans, uh, Ronda Van Drenta. The third one, Corin Rivera of Sunweb. That's three races, three different um, winners. Uh, different it's teams. also three different teams. It's also very different podium, very different teams on different teams on the podium because, yep. you know, a st- I would not have predicted Astana and Bigler to be on that no, podium today. No. But Drenta 
had Chikini of um of of Canyon Shram and Lucinda Brand of Sunweb on the on the podium and Strade had Longo Morgan if we go high five uh New Adoma of um WM three and Lizzie Danen of Balls Dolmans in third. So yeah, there's it's it's really, really interesting. So uh, let's go through it. So it was Rivera, Sierra Canyadia, um, Cecily Utrup, fourth Chantel Black, fifth from Bowles, fifth Can- uh, Canyon Shrams, Eleanor Cicchini, sixth Anna Annemiek van Vleuten of Orica, seventh Eugenie Bujak of BTC, eighth another Polish rider, Cassia Nuodoma of WM3, ninth Elisa Longo-Bolgini again, tenth Ashley Milman Passio of Cervelo Bigler. Wow. Wow. Oh boy. Well, I mean, all of that then, you know, leads us into, you know, what's going to happen. Oh, 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 oh. Can I just talk about Elena Sierra Canyadia's um, podium course. celebration? Please Because do. Karen Rivera has an epic, epically fun podium celebration. She looked great. She's, um, she, 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 she looked like she was really, really enjoying it. But almost enjoying it just as much was Arlena Sierra Canyadia, who crossed the line in finish with arms above the air doing a victory salute as well. Yep. And there were some people kind of mocking her for this. Like, why are you celebrating coming second? But for Sierra Canyadia, this is the biggest race, by far her biggest win of her life. Yeah. Um, she won a stage of the Setmanas Ciclista Valenciana, but, you know, that was not uh, last week, the week before. But that's not anywhere near as big. No. And, you know, a lot of riders who were racing that were racing that instead of Drenta, you know, instead of Drenta. I think it's hilarious and lovely that Arlena Sierra was so happy to come second. But I also think it's fucking hilarious that you know everyone was bitching out for the last two years about Sana Camp not being happy for, <laughs> for for coming second in the Cyclocross World Championships, and now people are bitching out about a rider being happy for coming second. I mean, what the hell are we supposed to do? You know, no one complains about men doing this sort of thing. It's just, it's adorable. It's, and it's no, sweet. actually, that's an excellent point, though. You're absolutely right. There is a there is a, a, a well latent sexism to it. Absolutely. I mean. You know, it's, what's what's wrong with celebrating coming second? Absolutely nothing. What's wrong with Sanacant, you know, being frustrated because she had higher ambitions? Nothing. Like, yay both times. Because I think it, <laughs> an honest expression of, of how a rider experiences that moment is, is always welcome. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm happy for her. And look, honestly, like you say, I, I, I don't think that... Uh, Cecily Utrup or um, you know Sierra like like Elena would have Elena Sierra would have been names that I would have picked for podiuming in this race at all. I just now, wouldn't have. So is... you know, of course, yeah. of course, I will be very happy for them to be celebrating there. Yeah. Now, part of the reason we've got different people, I think there's two things going on that is different about this season than any other season. Yeah. Yep. That I wonder are playing into. One, we've got actually three things. One, those Dolmans, they're very quick to tell us that, uh, you know, they've had sick riders and, you know, they, uh, Mehmet Guarnier didn't start. Anna van der Brega struggled on the first climb and, you know, is, is riding sick basically, right. um, which I worry about because, you know, I do wonder if, if maybe she'd be better off, 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 off waiting and not, not riding at this point because Bulls Dolmans do have a really big team. Yeah. But it's always funny when you read the Ziamet said quotes because 
while she definitely definitely believes what she's saying whenever um whenever uh, a race doesn't go her way or her team's way she talks about what a passive and um mm. Mm. and defensive race it was she can't honestly have suggested that this race binder that we just discussed being even by women's cycling standards incredibly attacky was passive yeah no but yeah no and, and she said that because they didn't have numbers because because they didn't have numbers and they didn't have numbers they were all sick and they were fighting i don't want to dispose dolmans for not having won everything last year because they've still yeah, Dietrichson yeah. won Drenta in such a beautiful fashion i'm not dissing them but there is also the issue two things going on one it's post-olympic year yeah, yeah. And for some of the big name riders who are focusing on the Olympics last year, it, it can be difficult to get your motivation back in. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not as focused as you were last year. Well, and also but, for some of those riders, you know, you, you're talking about committing for another Olympic cycle. So it's not just it's not just yeah. continue on another year. It's uh, am I actually going to be aiming to be at the Olympics again in Tokyo, or am I actually you know, riding out two or three years and and yeah. looking to move on? You know, it changes focus a lot. But you know what the other thing is that, I, that is making a difference this year that we've never had before? We have got our Dens Week coming up. I, I just got chills. Like, <laughs> like just, just, just that, just that concept of us having an Ardennes Week. <laughs> now, if you don't know cycling, Ardennes Week starts with the Amstel Gold Race, and the Ardennes are a row of hills in the in that that kind of cross between Belgium and the Netherlands, and they start in the Netherlands with uh, Amstel Gold, which is all over the Valkenburg Hills, uh, with the Kalberg finish for the women. Then, uh, that's on the 16th. Then on the 19th, midweek, it's Flesh Wallon um, with a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful murder we finish. Um, famous. And the week ends with on the 23rd with Liège-Bastogne-Liège, uh, the first time, one of the monuments of men, one of the oldest oldest races that's, that's, that's been for men. Mm. And so this week is very tough, very hilly, very hard. If you can win one of those races on the men's side, you're a star. If you yep. can win all three of them, you're a genius and a god, you know? Now, we've never had this before. When when the World, Women's World Cup used to be, the spring classics were um, uh, Rodonda Van Drenta, Trofeo Alfredo Binder, which was on, used to be on at the same weekend of Hent, Web Elgem, uh, Rodonda Van Vlaanderen, um, Flesh Wallon, yep. yeah, and those were the those were the ones that you wanted to. Those were the four big classics, and they've been added to in the last year of the world to, of the um, World Cup. They added Strada Bianchi on the front, and then last year with the World Tour, they shifted around so that that had Kent Weddelgen could come on to it, and now we've got so now it goes Strade, Drenta, Binder, Kent, Ronne van Blanderen. Break for the Energy Water, Amstel Gold, Flesh Wallon, Liège. Yeah. As the big, important classics that are in the Women's World Tour, but are the spring classics. So you've gone from four to eight, four a couple of years ago to eight. Now, 
in the men's classics, there's no man who can be the star from, um, you know, let's say the monuments start with Milano San Remo, who can be a star from Milano San Remo and expect to win San Remo and Flanders and Paris Roubaix and Liège and Amstel and Flesh, blah, 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 blah. No. You know, I know Amstel isn't a monument and Amstel's a relatively new race, but. Um, it's still a very important one. No man can do that. So you have within a men's peloton classic specialist. I'm a specialist for a sprint classic like Milano San Remo. Yep. He's a specialist for the cobbled classics and he's going for Flanders and Roubaix. Yep. Yeah. And you, and you know, and he's, a, and he's, and he is all about the hills. So he wants Ardennes week. Yeah. Yeah. In the women, it used to be that one rider could dominate those those four big classics, and then your other classics like the Omnipet Blood, for example. One rider, it was Mariana Voss, mm. and then it was Lizzie Damon. And yep. you have a rider like riders like Emma Johansson who'd be good in all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the classics weeks, uh, the classics season has extended. And while you'd have, like, you know, sometimes Marina Voss would start her season basically at Flesh Will On in, in April, now we've really in a situation where I think, I wonder, which of the riders are not doing very well? Is Voss not doing particularly well right now because she's still ill and she's struggling after, her, you know, with recovery from her cyclocross season? Or is Voss focusing on Amstel Gold and Ardennes Week? Yeah. The same goes for Lizzie Danen. And honestly, I I reckon like well, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if I'm. I reckon in Voss's case, personally, I think she's a hundred percent like focused on those races because, you know, given the the injury and and recovery concerns she's had in recent years, I think she has to be looking forward to a future in the not too distant future, I guess, where she she looks at either significantly scaling back her race schedule or possibly even retiring. And so, you know, I think she is really going to want to win the first edition of of some of those big races. Like, like well, these the things that she's not had the opportunity to win before, that's really going to matter to her. But the same argument could be made for Lizzie Danen. So... Yeah, and Annalisa Longo-Borghini and, 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 yeah. you know, and Paulina Fran Prevost. And, yeah, this is... I mean, Amstel Gold is enormous for the Dutch riders. There was an edition of it. It ran for like three years back in the early 2000s for women. But Amstel Gold is the Dutch classic. Mm. It's the Dutch of the spring, spring classic. It is epic. It's huge. For Bowles Dolmans, Bowles, their sponsors, headquarters, is, is they, they'll literally pass it during the race. Yeah. Every Dutch woman has Amstel Gold on her mind this year. You know, even if she's a sprinter and there's no chance, she's still kind of having this dream that maybe she can get away in a group and be there at the finish and win. Um, flesh is very important, and Liège is so oh. so iconic as yeah. a women as as a, as a men's race. Yeah. So I wonder when I look at what's going on in the peloton this year, and I think it's fantastic. I absolutely love the fact that we have got a depth and breadth of races that enable us to say so this week for example uh, right now this minute Dwar's door of Landeren is on yeah um, it's a UCI race for the first time it's run for women before but this is the first time it's UCI, UCI race on on Sunday it's Hent with Elgem and next Sunday it's the Ronde van Vlaanderen so if you're Jodin Dora who adores these races and is a cobbles rider this is your this is this yeah. is this is the this is the week you know this is this the is Sunday to Sunday yeah 
yeah, this is your time. And then if you're someone like Cassia Neuadoma, or, you know, if, if you're if you're Elisa Longo Borghini, you want a Strade, you want a Binder, you know, maybe she and you know, maybe she'll now, you know, ease off a little bit and hit hit up Liège. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Take it's it. going to transform the it's going to transform the season, mm. and I can't emphasise it enough. So I reckon what we'll do is after our Dens week, you know, we have races like we have some some of the American UCI races. We've got Borsole, we've got um, we've got uh, the uh, Elsie Jacobs, we've got the Tour de Yorkshire. Um, on at the same weekend at the at, at the, uh, at the end. And then we have Chongming Islands and the Tour of California, the international races for the World Tour. I suspect that we won't see some of the big names going to Cali or going to Chongming or racing or riding those. I suspect yeah. that we're going to have um, the riders going to have to take a break, and that's the other thing is is you need to you can't keep going at classics race level or season. Yeah. So I suspect you know May will be your climbers will come out to play for Imakamin Bira, but I reckon that the races in the last couple of weeks of May are gonna be it's that's gonna be a time where people take their break. Yep. Then it's going to be hitting up for the women's tour in the in the second week of June and then the Giro yeah, in July. Yeah. Exactly, and so we'll see we'll see a lot of those big riders, you know, lighten their race schedule and and you know take some some time out to build up for another intense block of racing. We'll also see some of the smaller teams take advantage of that lull though, and really target some of those races to pick up points and and you know make a bit of a splash for their sponsors as well. So this is yeah. this is what's fascinating and exciting to me is like you said before, it, we now have the depth and breadth in the peloton that we can we can see this, we can do this. And, you know, it's actually really exciting because we're getting more, not less overall. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's very, it's really, really good. Now, you know, obviously we've had the unseasonable watch. Some people go, oh, well, you know, they weren't really trying very hard on Binder because it ended in a bunch sprint. That's not true. It does yeah. often end with a big bunch coming together in Binder, you know, uh, uh, after a small group or after a great bit, after a solo breakaway. But as I say, unseasonably sunny weather. We didn't have the cold and the rain to deal with that, yep. that we've had in that we've had in some of the most epic previous years to to fight yeah. against. But there's no way that you can look at that race and suggest that it wasn't raced hard and it wasn't raced in an entertaining oh. fashion. I mean, that was even even watching it on on the highlights on on replay where I can pause and go back and watch a little bit again if I miss something and want to catch it. It was still crazy intense. <laughs> it's awesome. So much going on. It was insane. Oh god, it was good. <sighs> Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned before, Dwarze is currently going on. I mean, there's not really a lot more to say about that because we'll get... Oh, I, I wish... I'm a bit disappointed that Dwarze is the is the race that's, that's this week, with which isn't in the world to Anakent with Elgem, is. I... You'd swap? I'd swap because Dwarz is amazing. So the problem with Henwethelgem, the men have tons and tons and tons and tons of hills. The women this year are starting in Bozinga, where the uh, and they start out on the junior women's loop, which is nice for the junior women that the elite women go on there. But it basically, it's just four times around the loop. There's nothing. Mm. It's nothing. There's nothing significant there. They then ride and do a section the men also ride which is the Monteberg and Kemmelberg and Bannenberg and um, Kemmelberg and Monteberg again and then they have about 40k flat run into the finish 
so you know it's not my favorite course um yeah, the, yeah. the the uh over in twilight yeah compared to twilight you've got like the, the the last part of that race is just like right it, it's like cobbled belgium saying i'm going to hurt your legs they okay the the the, the all the obstacles are in the um, last 35 kilometres. So they ride at, at kilometre 78.6. They go over the outer Quaramont. Um, three kilometres later is the Paterberg. Five <laughs> kilometres later is the first nearly a kilometre of cobbles at Varence. Um, five kilometres of that is the penultimate hill, which is um, you know 21, 21 metres to go. Four kilometres after that is 1,300 metres of cobbles at the Holstrat. Um, uh, seven kilometres after that is the Nokaraberg, yep. uh, which is the last climb. Half a uh, kilometre of cobbled kilometers... climb. <laughs> yeah, three, yeah, fuck. Three kilometres after that is her 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 Legemstrat, which is nearly a kilometre of cobbles, 100 and 107 kilometres ago. And then it's seven kilometres to the finish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And every single one of those, every single one of those is going to launch an attack. It's not just yeah. that you're riding these crazy climbs, cobbled climbs, like iconic cobbled climbs. And it's not just that they're all coming in, in short, rapid succession towards the end of the race. It's that every single one of them is going to launch an attack for someone. Yes. Now, I, I mean, I, I, I just wish it had more, you know, I wish it had more of the climbs, more of the cobbles. Um, the women, don't get me wrong. The women race the hell out of it and yep. they make it really, really great. But when you're looking at it and going, Oh, you know, I want, I want, you know, I, I, I and when you're saying, oh, well, you know, but they're riding the same course as the juniors, I wish the juniors had a better course to ride, to be honest, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's round two of the Junior Nation Cup. Um, they start in the same way as the elite women, and there's an under-17 women's race, a youth race, because this is Hentwevel game. They've yep. got seven races running on the same day. Yeah, yeah, which is an amazing feat of race organisation, and, and, you know... I mean, regardless of, of issues with the course, it, that is something to to be acknowledged. Um, it's yeah. a huge undertaking. So, so, hmm. um, over, so, yeah, so we won't be able to watch it live, but we can watch it on Twitter. What we can watch live this week is the Cape Epic, which is another race that's been severely impacted by the weather, but in a really bad way. Uh, the Cape Epic's in South Africa, and they've been shortening stages you can tell the drought that, that the region's having from looking at the the, the the live stream, but especially when you compare it to previous years. There's mm. one shot, which is a classic Cape Epic shot, where the riders are riding over a dam, and normally the river's kind of kind of runs over the dam, and they yep. so they're sloshing through this river with this you know, river on one side, beautiful lake on the other side. This year, the river's not even reaching the edge. Wow. Yeah. And you can see how hot and how dry and how desperate for rain, how parched they are. And it's really like, and it's, a, you know, they, they cut yesterday's stage short. Um, I think they might have cut today's stage short too. I'm not quite sure because it's just too hot. And these are stages that start at nine o'clock in the morning in South African time. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah. I love cycling for what it shows us about the world and the beautiful landscapes. But at the same time, it's also showing us, shit, this is really bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, so happy days. Yeah, um, happy days. Um, uh, that's quite amazing. Speaking of epic races, I did just want. Oh, can I just? Oh, yep. Can, sorry, I, can I say who's winning? Yes. So, yes. Um, so, so Sabina Spitz, a absolute legend of cycling. You race the Cape Epic in teams of two. Um, there's pairs of elite men, pairs of elite women, um, mixed teams, a man and a woman, men's masters, men's grandmasters, um, Olympic mountain cross country mountain bike. Gold medalist Jenny Risfeds is winning the mixed category. Um, in the elite women's category, uh, Sabina Spitz and her part- partner Robin de Groot, uh started off really well, but Sabina Spitz had a really bad crash on stage one. And currently in the lead is Esther Seuss and her partner um, uh, Jenny Stenahag. Stenahag had to retire last year due to heart problems because it's a really extraordinary race. It's a marathon mountain bike mm. stages in South Africa. So yeah, that's the end of stage three. They've got five. Um, they've got four stages left to come. Amazing. Anything can happen, and yeah. it's live every day. There is absolutely excellent race Twitter, and there's uh really really good um really really good coverage i really liked it because in the ticker the the one thing i didn't like was they were referring to the elite men as the pros and so i said this to them having 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 praised them all week i saying hey you know could you call them elite men and they're like oh yeah we're really sorry about that we'll get a naming convention that works for them sorry about that that's awesome that's so good. It, that just for reference, I know it seems like it should be obvious, but that's the correct answer. <laughs> like that's that's what you do when someone points out that you've done something wrong. You don't fucking go, oh, you should be grateful we do any coverage at all or whatever. Like you, you go, oh, yeah, you're right. We'll we'll come up with a better convention. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for pointing out to us. Yeah. And so you're immediately like, this is what I love. Sometimes, I mean, it's it's a long cousin, custom, long-known customer service thing that you can actually get more brand loyalty when you get when there's a business you get something wrong and then put it right. Yeah. Well, than you, if you never got it wrong in the first exactly. place. Exactly. When you acknowledge it and address it immediately, like what you're saying is, yes, I'm human, but I'm also going to get better. You know, like it's it's just such a simple principle, and so many. Um, of uh, of those involved in cycling, <coughs> Fortis, <coughs> Fortis, um, really struggle when anyone points out that they have a terrible attitude to women. Fortis. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's been quite an interesting week for... Uh, so I want to talk about social media and, and, and brands, but what did you want to talk about first? Oh, yeah. Just quickly, while we're on the topic of epic races, this is just a quick one, but the very first edition of the Indian Pacific Wheel Race is currently underway here in Australia. Um, it's basically the same principle as the Ram race across America. So... Um, a couple of days well four hang on, days. Hang on. you race across australia yeah four days ago so it's it's 5,471.4 kilometers from Fremantle in western australia to sydney um, are they going through and, the middle or are they going around the edge no they're going across the uh, there's a map um it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard bad. to explain because um, it, basically they're going across not the middle but like inland through Western Australia then basically following um, from South Australia basically following the coast around through Adelaide to Melbourne and then up to Sydney inland so um, it's a it's a it's it's the first time so like it's literally one of those we're not sure how long it's going to take <laughs> kind of races <laughs> so it's, it's, been, it's it's an adventure race yeah it? yeah it's, it's, it's but it's, it's, it's one of those it's one of those classic epic like self-supported 
Um, there's about 70 writers enrolled, men and women. Um, and, and the main reason I want to give a shout out is that there's, there's a bunch of women who are right in the thick of the, the leaders of the race. They've gone. It's only been four days and the leaders of the race today cracked about the 2000 kilometer mark, which is insane to me. Absolutely insane. So the, the front runners have made it to a town called Seduna, C-E-D-U-N-A. Um, Google that and go like Fremantle to Seduna and you'll get an idea of what they've covered so far in four days it's it's phenomenal um and the the organizers are doing a pretty good job of keeping up a basic um race blog so it's you know it's not like cape epic it doesn't have heaps of coverage but it's it's pretty amazing and you know riders are doing lots of fun stuff and and you know and you can dot watch um for people who don't know about these races like when you're looking at the transcon or the race across america or or the trans or the trans or the trans america race um you end up following people dot watching because there's a little dot on gp on on a gp you know their gps they're all gps attached and so you can follow them on the on the website yeah, well, and, and see and, what they're doing. And most looking of them, at these... most of the front runners are back in GPS coverage zones, so you, you actually yeah. can again now. And and it's but it's a really interesting way to follow a race. Yeah. Um, Emily Chapel, who won the who's the woman who won the Transcontinental last year, said she started getting messages from people going, "What the hell are you doing in Albania? Are you lost?" Because she'd <laughs> planned really, really incredibly badly, and the reason that she spotted it was people were watching on the dot to go, "Where the hell are you, Emily?" But it's slightly addictive. It's a slightly addictive way to follow a race, and you can dot watch at the Cape Epic. Cape Epic. You can dot watch here. Mm. Um, it's 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 a way that you basically follow these big big races where it's individual riders riding by themselves on these epic journeys and yeah it's and it's weirdly it's weirdly compelling it is weirdly compelling and it is like there's something phenomenally addictive about it and there's there's also like just genuinely ridiculous things there's some really funny social media coming out of it one of the guys who's a little further back in in the race um, but earlier today crossed um, made it to um, across the Nullarbor plain um, and basically got to this this spot um, at the Kaiguna Roadhouse, which is famous for one thing and one thing only. It's the longest straight road in Australia. It's 146.6 kilometres of, of, like, straight road. Like, it's, it's just straight. <laughs> and, and so he posted on, on his Instagram um, him giving us the finger to that sign. Because there's only one thing worse than racing across Australia, and that's riding 146.6 kilometres on a dead straight road to do it. Oh, man. So how do people follow it? Um, Look, the easiest way to find everything gathered together is just to go to the race website, IndianPacificWheelRace.com. Obviously, we'll have a link in um, the post on our website, ProWomenCycling.com. Sorry, I just missed my cue. <laughs> it's, 
I, I, no, pause five for dra- years, Dan. Five pause, years. Pause for dramatic effect is how we like to phrase that. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Um, and obviously there's going to be links for all sorts of other things that, that we've talked about and some things that we may not have had time to talk about. Um, but, yeah, they've got the race blog there. They've got links to individual riders, social media and stuff there as well. Um, and obviously links to um, where you can dot watch and, and all that other stuff. So easiest place to find it is just on, on the race website. Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, Speaking of, I, I things I liked this week. I loved. I know it's an advert. I loved the Morvello um, uh, little filmette about riding. It's just a woman riding in different kinds of places with a Latigra soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was like I watched that and. Um, I really enjoyed because it did. You know, we we have from time to time been put in a position where we've had to call out some companies for the way they advertise, um, particularly women's cycling apparel, um, because some of them do it incredibly abysmally. And um, and so it was really nice to see um, an ad that did it pretty much ideally. Which, as you say, is just lots of women, lots of different women riding different bikes in different conditions, having fun. Like I thought it was the same woman. Okay, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm. How interesting! I read it as the same woman. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, no, I, no. You're probably right because you know it's just but, but just it's, the joy it, of riding. Yeah, it's interesting with a superb soundtrack. Yeah, with a really <laughs> really cool soundtrack. But then my favorite bit, um, which literally put this big grit on my face, was like in the last three seconds when they just did this quick um, jump cut from rider to rider in different bikes on, you know, some are riding on track, some are riding on roads, some are riding mountain bike trails, whatever, but all of them are riding sitting up, hands off the handlebars. And it just put the biggest grin on my face because it was just that subtle, fuck you, we do ride bikes and we know what we're doing and we're good at it. And, you know, I just, I really loved it. Yeah, I really loved the Enduro World Series. Um, I uh, Enduro, uh, Enduro Mountain Biking is a very new discipline. It's, uh, it's been around formally for a couple of years. It's Basically, it's long downhill sections in a kind of stage race thing where riders also ride between the sec- you know, ride the uphill to get from sec- to get from transfer to transfer. A lot of different racing over a weekend, um, mixing skills of mountain biking and cross country. Uh, sorry, downhill mountain biking and cross country mountain biking. Um, from the start, the Enduro World Series has involved women. Like, I mean, and God knows they've got Anne Caroline Chasson, who's just a mountain bike off road legend. And they've got Tracy Mosley, who's a former downhill mountain bike world champion and just a multiple World Cup winner, super superstar. So, you know, when you've got Anne Caro and Timo riding, you don't, you, you know, of course, of course, of course you use, of course you promote them, the series off the back of them because they are just insanely good, you know. Yep. But they've got this new thing um, sponsored by Juliana Bicycles which is women's rides at a couple of the Enduro World Series um, events like Rotorua in um, New Zealand, Zealand, uh, Whistler in Canada, there's one in France, there's one in Finale in in Italy, which is a free day where Anka Martin, ex-pro mountain biker, will take you for a ride around the the route and take you to the race. She'll watch the race with you and tell you what's going on. You buy beers with her, she'll introduce you to the riders. And it's a free day. If you can get to Rotorua or Whistler or or Finale, you, you can sign up to it. That's awesome. And it's just genius because there is no pressure. While there is no pressure to race, obviously, 
if you're even vaguely thinking about what would I would like to race, this is like the perfect time to, way to dip your toe into it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. To see exactly. And and it's just it's just genius. And Juliana bicycles for their ambassadors have people like Martin and a couple of other riders, people who are uh, who who run mountain bike holidays. And you know it's because you know, and it's it, of course it makes sense that if you're if you want to sell mountain bikes to women, um, to anyone, then trying to max out your 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 you know you can go on a lovely holiday to France or, or Scotland or Australia or Tas- Tasmania is one of the places yep. where they've got one of these free rides, you know, and ride your bike. Like of course it's win win. You know what do you need to do that? You need to buy a mountain bike. Yes, yes you do. Yes, you do. You and need to buy a mountain genius. bike and ride in Tasmania. It's beautiful. And it's just, just, just genius. And so, you know, congratulations to um the the uh, the the Enduro World, World Series starts on the twenty fifth in Rotorua. So, um, I'm sorry for pronouncing that abysmally. No, no, actually, uh, you were you were not too bad the the second two times. You, yeah, yeah. Getting so, better, uh, better. So yes, yeah, so um, lots of video and, and highlights. And in in our blog prowomencycling.com, I've got a ton of mount, other mountain bike media I've loved this week because you know mountain bike media is just very special to me. Well, and they do a good job. They put out a lot of stuff. But it wasn't just that. I mean, you know, um, if I had to pick your favourite writer of all time, who was called Emma Pooley, I'd probably pick Emma Pooley. <laughs> Very, very nice tweet from the Pivoli, which I recommend you go and have a look at. Um, I want to do a call for arms, dear listener. One of the interesting things that happened last week was that Eoling Dora tweeted about a program that um, Canvas, which is in the same network as Sports, a free Belgian television, would, uh, were filming a going to film a, ma- a male journalist riding the entire Ronde van Vlaanderen uh, route by, with a helicopter cam and a motorbike cam. They reckon it would take about 12 hours because the route won't be closed, so he'll have to ride in traffic and stuff like that. And they talk about, uh, the, they talk about the route, they talk about the area, they talk about the history. And Yolene's point was, this all sounds really lovely, but we also ride on the same day and, and we want coverage of our race too. Exactly. You know, we're professional women who ride the same course competitively on the same day, and you can, you know, take the time to cover some random dude riding it, which I'm sure will make for a nice program. Um, but, you know, giant, obvious elephant in the room. Well, also, for people who say, oh, well, you know, budgets, blah, 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 it's very difficult to understand how you can have a 12-hour, obviously the women's race takes three to four hours, how you can have 12 hours of coverage of the, of you know, for people hmm. who go, oh, well, you know, it's just the budget, Sarah, no one's interested. I'm not sure how many people are interested in watching TV for 12 hours. If you can get a helicopter up there to follow a journalist around for 12 hours, you can get a helicopter to follow the race. So it kind of spawned a hashtag um, started by Laris Wild Deals and taken up by Velo Rooms and me of we want RVV live. Yep. We want the Ronde van Vlaanderen live. And I don't know if this was always planned, but a couple of weeks ago, the Ronde van Vlaanderen and Sports had both said, sorry, there'll be no live stream of the women's race this year because there isn't the budget for it. And then on the same day as this, we want Ronde van Vlaanderen live Twitter campaign started. Later on that day, they said, actually, we're going to have a live stream. 
Now, I don't know if it's cause and effect or if they were always pla- or if they planned it and they just pulled forward the announcement for it, you know, to kind of yeah. talk to them. Because, you know, Jolene Dora is legitimately famous in Belgium now. Her Olympic bronze medal, um, uh, you know, catapulted yeah. her up in the in the national in the national um absolutely uh, but also lines. also national champions so you know oh she's an incredibly good she's very likable she's flandrian yep. she's she's got everything you want to make to make cycling in the belgium heartlands you know she she's just she's a lovely she's a very personable very nice person also does some very honest stuff she had a column in the het noisblad uh maybe not het noisblad but one of the papers a couple of years ago about talking about having an anorexic teammate mm. you know which yeah. is like just a really brave thing to talk about yeah, about the impacts those, on her and yeah one of those topics that does not get discussed much it's very awkward yeah yeah and yeah. so it was yeah so yolene is, is 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 she's you know she's she's proper she's proper famous it's not you know it's it's like in the same way as mariana voss is proper famous you know so yolene dora making making this point and then it gives us and then the power of social media now i don't care if we want Ronda van Vlaanderen live, didn't act was just a coincidence, yeah, and they didn't even see it. However, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it was us or not, because you can literally never lose by highlighting how much of a market and how much of an audience there is for women's cycling. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know this is the this is the thing that I've said for for years, and I mean literally like. Back when I remember distinctly when the uh, the first edition of the uh, La Tour La Course, of course, yeah, um, I, I had a um, producer from a TV network I won't name them um, who hit me up on Twitter going, "Why are you? You know, it's our first year. We're trying really hard. Why are you saying that you want more?" And I'm just like, "Well, because if I don't, you won't know." This is the thing is I got we got I got I got hit up on Twitter by someone when I was saying about we want Ronda Van Vlaanderen live basically saying it's just market forces. Yes, yes you, it is. You should accept you should accept that it's not basically I the love... undertone was you should accept yeah. that it, and it's like but you can't simultaneously say it's just market forces and, and then, then lock complain. me out of the market. <laughs> like... Yeah, but also but also to complain when people are trying to demonstrate that there is an audience. Yeah. It doesn't work. You can have one or the other. You can have the market forces argument, yeah. but you can't then say, don't try and muster people to try and demonstrate that people want this. Yeah, because, exactly. you know, market forces is all about demonstrating that there's an audience and proving that people want to see stuff. So, you know, exactly. you, it, it, it's like, you you know, sorry, sorry, I'm not buying that. I'm not, I, yeah. I'm not buying, oh, I'm not buying stay in your lane. Yeah, no. It's just market forces, especially not from, you know, some do. I mean, because, you know, as a woman, there have been there have been more than one time in my life where I've been told to stay in my lane and not want more by guys. No way. You know, it's hard to believe. <laughs> but, you know, it's hard to believe. But, you know, and anyone, anyone who's any kind of minority, when I was yeah. a young, when I was when I was younger and I wasn't able to get married because I'm because I'm gay, I, I was told, you know, those people who'd basically saying stay in your lane, accept what it is, you're you're lesser than us, blah, blah, blah. No, fuck that. I'm not equating cycling to civil rights movements because that's ridiculous. But, you know, I'm just saying that you don't saying to people wanting change is wrong yeah. is 
Well, I mean, look, I think I think what it boils down to is that history is quite clear. Change doesn't happen out of the beneficence of the people in charge. It happens when people demand it. Like that's yeah. that's how you change things is by demanding the change you want. Yeah. So And and yeah. in that in that feeling, what I'd like, dear listener, if you can I've talked a lot this year about how we can take five minutes a week to do something to to make a difference to professional women's cycling. And for this week, what I would love you to do is to get in touch with we've still got the run of Amblander and it's going to have a live stream for pay per view viewers in Proximus only. Now have heard rumours they're trying to get a uh, an international live stream going. If you could ask the Ronda van Vlaanderen, if you can use the We Want RVV Live hashtag, that would be amazing, but you don't have to. Contact them by email, by Twitter, by Facebook, by Instagram, whatever your preferred method of communication is. I'm framing my, my, my request this year in, I really love this race. I'd really love to see it. Is there anything we as fans can do to help get to see this race? Because, oh, my God, we want Ronda, we want RBB live, you know? Absolutely. Um, I did the same with Kent Webelgen. Um, tweeted, you know, tweeted the date and there's no, okay, dear, dear, dear Kent Webelgen, what can we as fans do to help get a stream next year? Because your race looks fantastic and I want to see it. And then the big ones, we we can't change Hemp with Algan this week, but we can ask about Ardennes week. Yep. We can ask about we can ask about Flanders. We can ask about Ardennes week. We can ask the ASO. And now, of course, it, you know, so we can ask about Amstel and Liège and and Flesh. And tomorrow, I'll put up a, a piece on our site, prowomencycling dot com, with a little bit more about you know ideas about what you can do. Yeah. Use your own ideas. Tell me if you've got other ideas. I'm going in a very positive, in a positive, smiley way. Oh, this is wonderful. What can we do to help? You can choose your own style, you know, like um, do something. But if you can just take a little bit of time this week just to send to, to send one tweet or one Facebook message or one email and just show that we yeah. care and that we want more. Absolutely. And and bear in mind that there is real value. Once Once the decision's been made to provide a stream, um, it's much easier for the hosts to on-sell that stream to other broadcasters yeah. or non-geo-block it so that it can be viewed everywhere, um, you know, both of which offer you know, um, potential windfalls um, in either way for them. So you know, it's a lot easier for them to make it available once they've made the decision to actually create the thing. Yes, yes. But, and the other thing is, is if we can't have it this year, what can we as fans do to help the race organize them, race organizers demonstrate that there is demand for it? Absolutely. You know, and yep. if, and if, you know, and if, and if, a, and if a race organizer, if, if, a, if they're going to someone else and going, Hey, look, you know, do you want to buy this stream? Being able to point at people talking about it and wanting, wanting to know about it two weeks before the race and getting excited about it is, is it helps them too there's literally no downside you know you just you just take a you just take a little tiny bit of time a tiny little bite of time just do something that makes a difference um if you have time thank thank trofeo binder's sponsors i'm i'm really big on that this year as well is you know if if you've enjoyed a race and you're waiting for the podium or you're going wow that was amazing take the time to just go and thank the sponsors thank you know when it's live thank the people who gave us the live stream 
you know, because this, all of these metrics, all of these are metrics that, that, that can be used to help judge success and to demonstrate value to sponsors. And, and, you know, my voice alone means nothing, but our voices together can really do, can really change the world. So yes, that's my, that's my message. <laughs> there we go. So, well, I, I can't think of a finer message on which to, to wrap things up quickly. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, if, if you can listen to or read my interview with Kathleen Marsal, yeah. uh, the first ever junior road world champion and the current Danish national team coach, uh, obviously Denmark are, are just the country of uh, the country that's like the next big country for cycling at the moment. Um, but Kathleen has so many interesting stories and thoughts. She talks about how she how she struggled and collapsed after winning her first elite world championships at at nineteen. Uh, racing with Jeannie Longo and how when you were on the French national team with Jeannie Longo, you were basically racing against her. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that interview. She has an amazing French accent, so if you want to listen to it, please do. She has a great voice. Um, uh, if not, I've written it up, so you can read it. And that's thanks to my Patreon supporters who fund me to do this kind of work. Thank you. Absolutely. And if you'd like to be one of those, go to patreon.com slash women's cycling, and it will make you and the world slightly better. So, you know, win-win. <laughs> um, talk to us on Twitter. I'm... Ah... At PWC Cycling. You forgot who you were for a second, didn't you? Awesome. I totally did. I totally did. At and PW is... Cycling is Sarah. Um, I am at Dan W Official. And um, yeah, feel free to get in touch with your ideas of things that we can do to encourage uh, more and better broadcasting of races. And um, as always, let us know what your thoughts are on, on the races that we have just seen and are coming up. And we'll be back next week to talk about all that's fit to talk about in the world of women's cycling. Cobbles. What we'll be doing is we'll be talking cobbles, Flandrian hills, and <laughs> basically Flanders mini season. Oh my god! First two minutes of next week will probably just be us going cobbles, oh, cobbles. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed as much as we do. <laughs>